Joe Woodman Rowe is an award-winning playwright. His first play, The Laundry, won the Broccoli Jacks Right Now Award in 2011. His second play, Held, was commissioned by the Liverpool Everyman and Playhouse, receiving its premiere at the Playhouse Studio in 2012. Held was shortlisted for the Royal National Theatre Foundation Playwrights Award. Joe was also being commissioned by BBC Radio 4 and is a tutor of creative writing at Edgehill University. He also tutors me on the Young Everyman Playhouse Writers Programme and here we sat down to have a chat about his career and what advice he can offer to upcoming and fellow writers. Joe, thanks for doing this today. How did you first get into writing? Was it something you started as a child or did you come to it a bit later on? No, I um, I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And then, um, so that's why I came to Liverpool, because uh, I knew that John Moyes did a uh, stand-up comedian module. And I thought that would kind of force me to do stand-up, otherwise I wouldn't get on stage otherwise. So uh, I came up here and did that. And then, so I did a drama degree purely to do some stand-up. And then I did stand-up for, like, in a very lackadaisical way for about five years, something like that. And then, uh, or longer than that, possibly. And then uh, my girlfriend had done the Young Writers Programme uh, the year prior to me doing it. And uh, she said it was brilliant. And so I did it. And I kind of just fell in love with plays all over again because doing the drama degree, I hadn't... I hadn't come across that kind of new writing that just kind of yeah. explodes, you know, and makes you feel excited by the possibility of it. And I think the Everyman Young Writers Programme gave me those kind of plays, especially Dennis Kelly, where I thought this is actually for me and yeah. isn't being kind of pitched at someone, or no, not someone above me, but in, in terms of an overly intellectual level, I felt like Dennis Kelly's plays were visceral and... and accessible. Accessible, yeah. exactly, yeah, and... And that sounds like accessible sounds kind of demeaning, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. But that's exactly that, how I feel about yeah, you know, it's yeah. the first time when we don't know orphans. Yeah. It's like state of it. I was like, this is someone I want to need more of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I remember someone I did the, the Young Writers Programme uh, with, she said to me, um, you should apply the same rule to theatre that you apply to TV in terms of like turning it on or off, you know? And I, I think Orphans and a few of the other plays were the first plays where I thought, I can't put this down. I'm going to finish this in one read and it isn't a chore. Yeah. And so that's the main thing I think for me was that I found that, that which is ridiculous really, but I found that the plays don't have to be a chore. They don't have to be like intellectual homework. They can actually be like, breathtaking. Yeah. So that that's what it was really that turned me on to writing basically. Yeah. You've written for radio as well, haven't you? Yeah. Is that different? I don't yeah. know how different. Massively different because um, well, what, there's there's the technical aspects involved, but I think really it's. It's the medium and how it's uh, who it's going out to because obviously it's it's on BBC Radio Four and it's it's in a certain it's at a certain time of day and I think mine mine was I was lucky in that I had a producer who who pushed it and, and allowed it to be dark and it had themes like suicide in it um, but I think I, it it didn't feel to me like an individual or unique piece of. Um, something from my gut or my soul, you know, it felt like more like a, a a collaborative piece that was designed for a certain audience and had to fit certain restrictions. And that's probably because we, no one I know, would say that radio is their first medium. Yeah. But generally, our first medium, even people who love theatre, is film and then maybe plays. And so, and so, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Is you struggle. What you want is that clean connection between what you want to write and then writing it so writing a play to me is really easy just in the technical way the way you lay it yeah. out and writing a radio play is not easy so i felt you were like writing to the form 
as opposed to writing for enjoyment. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And just, yeah, and just trying to hit certain marks and trying to, yeah, just a really, for me, a really, really difficult process, yeah. We spoke quite a, quite a bit about you've got like a love of language and rhythm of language. Mm. Do you think theatre is the best place to showcase that kind of talent? Yeah, definitely, because I think in theatre that's all you've got, you know, so you can hide, you can hide so much in a film behind like plot or behind CGI or, or whatever but in theatre all you've really got is language and rhythm and metre and actors and and that gap that space between the audience and the actors and that's all you've got and and if you hit that right that's all you need you know but um, so I think yeah that's that theatre is definitely the best medium to, to, to express that definitely and you had your first professional play on at the uh, Commission by the Playhouse in the pool called Hell. Mm. Uh, what was it like getting that on and you know, like shared a bit of the experience for it for people who were hoping to get plays on? Yeah, totally. It was it was just crazy, really. I'd um, I'd so basically what I'd done initially is I went on the Young Writers Program and I thought I'll just write one play and I'll, I'll I'll pour my heart into it and I'll send it to everyone under the sun. And if that doesn't work, then I'll stop. Or maybe I won't stop. But I was just thinking about that one play, really. And I sent that, and that went to uh, that one competition in South East London at the Broccoli Jack Theatre. And they, I was lucky enough for them to put it on and do like a really lovely production. And from that, Suzanne Bell, who was leading the Young Rights Programme at that time, um, said, uh, here's a, like a C commission. So basically, 500 quid to write a new play, which is, I mean, 500 Five hundred quid isn't a lot of money, but it's lovely yeah. to to go. Oh, okay. I'm like I'm a paid writer, and yeah, I've been yeah. paid like on spec as well. I haven't even delivered anything, even if it is. I mean, <laughs> screaming in the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just and it just and it just boosts your esteem, your self esteem, you know, in terms of, as a writer. So I got that, and then I wrote this piece about um, about dementia because my grandmother had uh, Alzheimer's. So I wrote this piece. And it's very odd, it's very difficult, different to my previous play. And I just wanted it to be different. I wanted to experiment with form. And the festival, the Every Word Festival was on. And like, we had like, some great actors and a great director. And we did a reading. And uh, Gemma Bodine saw it. And maybe a few other people saw it. And like a month later, I got, uh, I got an email saying, oh, we'd love to produce Hell. Um, but then it's such a fortunate series of events because that was at the time when the Playhouse Studio was was there because obviously the Everyman Theatre was being refurbished yeah. so that was just a hole in the ground so then we had the, the Playhouse Studio and that had just, I think maybe they programmed the Matchbox or something like that but I think Held was on after the Matchbox but I was incredibly lucky because that's basically a space that is maybe small enough to fail, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. Held didn't fail but it, it was really, when you look at the timing of it as I was just I was incredibly I was I was in the right place at the right time in a way as well so yeah what was the aftermath like sort of knowing now that you're a professional or can, you know considered by certain people professional writer reviews in the Guardian you yeah. know it got really good reviews yeah I think I think the really interesting thing about being a writer is is whichever way you slice it you feel like you're struggling <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's reassuring <laughs> yeah well, like, it's good to know that you're always going to feel like this because like I think, you know, uh, so if you're not getting any emails back, really, six months, nothing's really, no one said, oh, let's have a chat or blah, blah, blah. You go, oh, man, maybe that's it. Maybe I'll never get anything on again or no one will talk to me or run out of ideas. And then 
as soon as like we've held and like, I did get some really nice reviews for that but then you're just thinking oh god what if this is the peak what if this never <laughs> happened you know, as soon as it happens it's like relief you go I hope I get good reviews and you go oh, I've got good reviews it hasn't you know bombed or whatever and um, and so now what now what do I do do you feel pressure now do you feel like expectations on you or do you um, no, or I, just from yourself n- no I just think I just think there is no pressure because mm. if like the truth of it is if I never wrote another play not many people would care you know like <laughs> yeah. like because you know and that's true of like probably every playwright everyone every playwright could stop now and people go oh what happened to uh, him or her like you know but it wouldn't matter so therefore it's not it's not so much pressure it's more have you got an idea that is exciting to you that you want to write and then and then you just kick on from there really and then you finish it and you go well you might as well send it to some people and so and so pressure I mean yeah sometimes I think I'd like my career to be in a different place to what it is but at the same time I think the journey's quite nice you know so even even now at this minute I've got a, a few like like e- I'm in email correspondence with people and yeah. we're just talking about possible things that could happen that's exciting yeah, you, know? Yeah. No, you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know where it's going to go so you you always you always feel like you could be in, in, a, in a different situation and then when you do get to that situation of like I don't know you get something on a national or something like that you're still going to be like oh man well, yeah. this is well, this man. is the yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah now it's only downhill from here so <laughs> so yeah it's not pressure it's, it's something else I don't know what the word for it is yeah who have your main influences been? Is there anyone that you'd always go back to, or is there anyone who really affected how you write? I think, I think in a way, like um, it's important to it's important to take your influences from from things that aren't plays, because the problem is like, and you probably know this as well. Like when someone says a play, they can have a quite deadening effect. Like you can think of like heavy red velvet curtains and 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 kind of like a a reverence that maybe you don't feel is warranted and all of this stuff. So I feel like um, it's important to take your inspiration from like, from whatever it actually inspires you as opposed to, oh, you know, Dennis Kelly writes like this, Simon Stevens writes like this, they're successful, I've got to write like this. Yeah. It's more, there's a, like, there's a Bukowski line where he says, the problem with most poems is people sit down and go, now I'm going to write a poem. So then they write a poem that sounds and looks like a poem. And so by the time we've even read the first line, we're bored. Yeah. Whereas like, if you based, you can base any art form on any other art form. So if you base the play upon someone screaming, I mean, I don't know what that would be, but it was doable. You can always, you could always put something on stage. And I think I'd be more interested to see someone who's based, you know, being inspired by like something that is difficult to comprehend or a poem or a lyric or, you know, an artist from another medium then see someone who goes, oh, I love, I love uh, Dennis Kelly and I love uh, Debbie Tucker Green and therefore I'm going to merge those two forms and do this because in a way I've already, I can kind of, my brain can kind of guess what that is where if someone says, this is my dramatisation of someone screaming into a, a bin, then I don't know what it is and I'd be interested to see what, what that does or what it is. Sometimes yeah. you can see it, can't you, when people have done that, when oh, people yeah. say, oh, no, I'm inspired by them and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know that, we can yeah. see that. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, like the paired back, you know, like, when when you're throwing pauses out left right and centre because you want to be pinto or you've, you've you've paired everything back but with no real intention as to why because you've read 
some Carol Churchill and you really yeah. like that. And I mean, I think in a way, it's the best way to learn to write is to try and imitate someone. Yeah. I've tried to do that with people who I definitely can't imitate. So people like Martin Crimp, like I could never get near that style. But just in trying to go, all right, I'm going to do a scene that's like my attempt to, to out Martin Crimp, Martin Crimp. Yeah. By doing that, you realise just how bloody difficult that is and how bold those choices are and what and what a kind of master yeah yeah so it's only make you better though yeah exactly yeah but i think the difference is well not really there's no rules but i think what really grabs a reader is when you put something before them that is and i'm wary of saying this but i think for, for early writers definitely that is your own experience that is your own kind of lived experience obviously as you progress you've got to find other stories and you've got to, you've got to work in with uh, with other voices and stuff like that, you don't want to be repetitive. But what really, what really grabs you is, is the truth, isn't it? So therefore, you have to work out what it is and what that is. And so, like you say, you can't just knock off someone's style because yeah. that style, if it's true, is an expression of themselves, and you're not that person. So it's not gonna, it's not gonna fly. When I first started here, I was trying to write Tarantino. Mm. You know, I'm not ever gonna be Tarantino. Mm. One of the tutors said, "Write what you know," mm. and that sort of opened the doors to me. Yeah. So you go, okay, I yeah. don't have to try and be yeah. a Tarantino or a Matt McDonald or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But then saying that, if I can refer to the Young Writers Program, yeah, of course, yeah. The piece you brought in last week, like that was that was in that vein, but with no, uh, do you know what I mean? That was funny and surreal and dark and all of those things, but it 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 clearly came from you. It wasn't a knockoff. Do you mm. know what I mean? So there's the thing is, if someone influences you, you can't deny it. It's yeah, gonna, it's yeah. gonna work its way out in some way. It's just. It's just it shouldn't be a conscious thing of like, oh, Tarantino talks about hamburgers, so I'll do something yeah. about, you know, baguettes. You know? Yeah. Uh, obviously, you're a tutor as well at Edgeo, mm. teach creative writing. Has teaching influenced or made you learn anything good or, or bad, I suppose, in your writing? Yeah, definitely, definitely. One of the main things, I mean, I'm not teaching as much there as I used to, but one of the main things is obviously you're teaching something. You get given the reading list. That means you have to read it. <laughs> because obviously, I've never really studied. I didn't study creative writing, and uh, so I didn't read a, a hell of hell of a lot of books about how to craft plays and stuff like that. So the first thing I had to do before I taught it you was read those books that my students are going to have to read and pretend like I'd I'd grown up around them, you know. Um, so so I learned a lot that way. But also, I think Einstein or someone like that said, if you want to. You only really know something if you can kind of explain it to a ten-year-old. And not obviously, I'm not teaching ten-year-olds, but it's true. The, and I'm not a brilliant teacher, but in trying to be clear and have clarity about what good drama is, you really have to question. You really have to dig deep into that because it's so, it's so kind of um, amorphous and vague. And at the same time, when something is good, it does, it does hit you, doesn't it? Um, so I did learn a lot. Yeah, and I. And just seeing, and also just seeing how writers get stuck and how writers get unstuck and all of those things, and just and just telling people not to try too hard and get back to that place they were when they were like four or five and they used to paint or draw or yeah. write and go, why don't you just do that again? Because everyone's sitting there all kind of hunched up, and then when I tell them to write something that is deliberately crap, everyone relaxes and starts smiling and enjoying themselves, and that atmosphere changes, and it seems like oh we're having fun again, which is important because we're not saving lives. <laughs> and and also, like as we've discovered, it's quite, it's quite hard to get your work produced. So you need to enjoy the process of it, otherwise it's, it's boring. Yeah. And possibly the work becomes boring as well, I don't know. 
think if you go in with the with the idea that you're not going to get produced and do it for the love of writing, it's much more healthier than going in thinking I'm going to get this on or I'm going to get this produced or I'm going to meet. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be in Hollywood and everything yeah, like that. Exactly, yeah, and also the thing is, is like, who produces you? Like another person. So like, you know, an artistic director in a building makes a decision on your work whether it goes ahead or not. But I wouldn't say that their. You'd hope that their choice and taste is, is it. Is something that you admire and respect, but it might not be. So why hand all of you, all of your power over to someone who you don't know, and go, oh, this is the person. And as soon as you start to second guess what people want, if you go, ah, oh, Trump is the thing at the minute, and you know, <laughs> alternative truth. Like by the time you've written that play to be with the zeitgeist, it'll be a year, two years down the line, and you will just look, it will just look hack, you yeah, know. So yeah. it's, yeah, you might as well just write what you want to write and be quite, and also just be quite stubborn about it because you're going to get a lot of knockbacks anyway. I mean, open enough to grow and accept notes and not, not mm. think you're William Shakespeare when you're not. Yeah. But at the same time to go, I believe what I think is important. And to like, yeah, that's a line from Mamet to like, learn your job and to think well of yourself whilst doing so. And I think that's really important to think well of yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was at GF1 yesterday. And mm. Obviously, he's from Liverpool as well, so it'd be nice to get like a sort of an outsider take mm. on this. But... Do you think Liverpool's a good city to be a, a writer or an artist in? Like, it's quite rich in culture, but yeah, I mean, yeah. In terms of in terms of the culture that they say, like in terms of like the bedrock of Liverpool, and like I've said this in the sessions before, the reason I love Liverpool is to me like in the UK at least, or in, in England at least, it's got the it's got the just the general just best use of language in in England. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. Just the things you hear on the bus, the way people express themselves, the vocabulary of like a, just an average person in Liverpool, to me, seems to be on a, on a higher level to other parts of the country. And I think that's because there's an enjoyment of language, of rhythm, of, of wit and all of that stuff. And I think that's uh, like an inheritance from Ireland, obviously. You know? But um, So I think in that terms, there's, there's plenty of like, there's so much stuff to work with in terms of humour, and, and like real stories, real grit, real pain and passion and, and stuff like that, stuff that makes great drama. But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't say the city has a has a fringe uh, circuit in terms of theatre that is comparable to Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously there's cuts and stuff. I don't, I mean, I was talking to someone today and I was, I was saying, I'm, I feel guilty sometimes because I'm not entirely sure what pathway I can offer you guys that I'm teaching yeah, yeah. in terms of you do this and you do that and I at the moment I don't know where I would I, I don't know where I would point you generally but I don't know where I would point you in this city yeah. and so for me that feels quite difficult but I suppose conversely what you then have to do which is what me and uh, uh, my girlfriend did when we were starting out, is form your own companies and get your own work yeah. on. Because as soon as you start producing your own work and get getting stuff on, you then start to create a different level of buzz and you get more interest and you and you control your own destiny rather than, like I said before, sitting around waiting for someone who's maybe taste you don't share to give you the green light when you could give yourself the green light. Yeah. And if if a play is purely for an audience, then you can you can definitely find an audience in Liverpool. But I don't think there is a I think there's I think there's so much talent in this city in terms of writers, and I don't know if there's a clear pathway for that talent to be expressed yet. And so that's that's what's difficult. Yeah, I think especially with theatre or plays, um, other than the sort of 
the big ones that everyone knows there isn't many places to get something on mm. and it's seen in places like the Baltic Triangle like Constellations people are just putting their own plays on yeah. that bit. it's it, nice to hear you say that refreshing because that might be the way to go for people I think it is man make it because because really it is for an audience and you can get the audience and that feeling can feel just as good as someone you know in quotation marks important telling you that you're good do you know what I mean yeah. why not do it yourself that's why I love stand up because you 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 succeed or you die on your ass at your own uh, kind of behest, you know, like you it's all you and I really like the honesty of that. And I think you can recreate that in the theatre. It's it's more difficult obviously, but it can be done. And like talking about the Baltic Triangle, the lantern is like yeah. no more. And that was a lovely bespoke theatre place that was actually, you know, was was doable for, for new artists to go there and show play in the, like a beautiful, beautiful space, and feel like yeah, this is this is a theatre, and yeah. this is this is you know, and it's such a shame. And it's just it's just one of the examples of like there was a fledgling thing there yeah. that's just I think they're selling that building to make more flats, you know. It's so, the council's just non-stop. Everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know, like when I first came to Liverpool, there were so many of these buildings just kind of like lying about. I mean, you know, life has changed; it happens, doesn't it? But and if there is going to be a solution, it's not going to come from above. It's going to come yeah. from like you guys going, all right, let's form a company, let's do this. Let's let's kind of like force a, an upward press, pressure for, for people to go, oh, we need to put that on because, you know, that's just amazing yeah. and, and it needs to get a, garner a wider audience and stuff like that, yeah. If you could have a drink with mm. one writer, dead or alive, mm. who would it be and why? Oh, it'd be Dennis Kelly. Do you know why? <laughs> because my girlfriend's met him twice, which I'm gutted about, but also a lot of things blow me away about Dennis Kelly but I remember someone telling me that he, he lives in Deptford I don't know if he still does but I'm from Deptford so I just kind of like, this is the weirdest thing to say I want to know where he lives <laughs> you can be best friend <laughs> yeah, no no not like that not like I want to be knocking on his door saying you're playing out but it just I just like I just kind of like, this, this this dude's written such good plays that like I, like when I read them when I was in your writers program I kind of wanted to write him a letter go that's you know well done and so I'm just trying to visualise where he lives. I don't even need to know the exact address. I just want to know, like, if he's on the high street. I'm trying to get in my head because Deptford is like a specific place. Um, so I'm just thinking, like, where does he live? I mean, is he really in Greenwich? And he's, <laughs> he's got a postcode thing, you know. So, so it would be... But then I suppose once that's done... No, it's still, it's still, I think it would still be Dennis Kelly, yeah, because that was the thing that made me go, oh, yeah, I want to be a playwright. Yeah, definitely. Joe, yeah. thanks very much for that. Oh, awesome. Thank you, man.